0: Here we go, and welcome to a very special edition of Sounding Board. We have a special guest this week. Uh, we have our friend Dan Cure, who's uh, been making a bit of a name for himself. In fact, he's he's kind of podcast royalty at the moment. But fortunately. I think I asked you about a year ago. I think we, we must have met. It must have been a year ago. I think it was just before I broke my hand where we met at Libertarian Drinks. Uh, and we, you know, we kind of got chatting, became friends and and we kind of we, we spoke about getting, you know, getting you on the podcast very early on. But then I broke my hand and I was out for months. And then we've obviously had the lockdown. But then this afternoon we just thought, you know what, sod it, let's just do this remotely. So welcome Dan Cure.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the invite. Um, yes, I, I I do recall we we met at uh, at Third Wednesday, and actually, um, probably one of the things we talked about was that it's easier to do these podcasts in in person. And you know, if you probably get through the winter months and uh, you know get the get the lighter evenings and uh, and the longer days, you know, we'll be able to meet up. But who would have uh, who would have thought that uh, we would have gone through the set of circumstances that have uh, uh, we've been dealt so uh, here we are doing this remotely so yeah uh, at least we can see each other so
2: a- absolutely yeah i mean i remember i think it was the turn of the year and and we were chatting and i, I think that andy and i were saying look right once we get out as you say once we get out, out of the darker evenings we'll drive down again we'll come to a, a third wednesday uh and then we'll and we'll come and chat or whatever and then the spring never came or no. at least a, a legal spring never came
1: it's the eternal winter.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. well, the great derangement, as I'm calling it now, the great suppression, whatever you want to call it.
0: Just before before we get started, I say, so can can I ask you a personal question, Dan? How tall
1: are you? How tall am I? Oh, I yeah. think I'm five eleven, something like that.
0: Uh, I thought you're tall, because right? so Nick and I are both 6'2", two, and then we had this joke when we had. So we, we've had one guest before uh dr christian Nemitz, he came along and we, we joked that instead of the podcast being two six foot two libertarians it was going to be three six foot two libertarians and i know you're quite you tall so i wasn't sure it was well, going to be another you you're another six foot
2: two libertarian you can't narrow it down so that the only it's bad enough trying to find a libertarian let alone trying to find another six foot two libertarian well, yeah, okay so like, we've got
1: okay so i'm i'm a couple of inches off the height wise but i i think hair wise with you've got the hair yeah yeah
2: this is very true yeah. This is very true. We didn't make Christian shave his head, did we?
0: That would have been a bit harsh. That would have been a bit harsh.
2: But yes, here you are.
1: You are our second ever guest. How does that feel? It feels great. Well, I, I you know, I, as I say, I, um, I I appreciate the invite. It's great to be on here. Um, as you know, I mean, I, I think I've made this point a few times. It's This is one of my, genuinely one of my, my favourite podcasts. I, I think... Um, uh you you must have shared one with me probably about a year ago um and uh, I started listening and I, I think it's um it's interesting because you know you mentioned third wednesday third wednesday um is sometimes referred to as libertarian drinks um but the whole libertarian uh badge i it, it it's it's quite a broad label um and al- although I have found myself uh, increasingly veering further towards the um the destination point of uh, uh of uh well liberty more broadly than just being libertarian just liberty as a whole um i i am probably more uh you know historically i've i've been more sort of of the you you might say the dellingpole wing of the of the of the tory party and i think that's one of the things about about libertarian drinks third wednesday drinks there are a lot of of different people who go there, it's not just uh, people who would, uh, you know, be consider themselves, um, you know, Tory voters or Brexit part, part, party voters, or you know, even full on libertarians. I, I think it really started up out of out of Twitter, really, and the fact that there were a lot of people. Um, and this goes back to, to the Brexit era, if if we can remember that. I mean, that's that's old news right now, but um, halcyon uh, days. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> how how we would like to go back to to uh, a simpler form of politics say eh? but um yeah Bring I- back Theresa May
2: uh, who <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah
0: let's not let's not
1: go there I, I, re- I
0: remember um i remember dick Dellingpole sending me a, a direct message on twitter it must have been mm. Pretty over a year ago maybe 18 months ago saying he was thinking of kind of sorting sorting this out yeah um and and it just kind of went you know kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger i mean i, I only managed to go to to one so i mean i you know it's about
1: it's a two and a half hour drive
0: for me yeah but, um you know i managed to go to one and then i broke my hand so i couldn't go to any others afterwards but as soon as it's back you know back up and running again we need to get nick over as well mm. um and we can you know we, are, we, we can introduce him to everybody
1: yeah, that would be great. I mean, progress has been stored a little bit because I think, um, you know, Dick's original idea. Well, actually, the original idea was just to meet with with people, you know, with, with whom he was chatting on, on Twitter, which I think was, was great. Um, but I think his idea really was then to push it and, and go nationwide. And the idea would be, you know, you might have. Uh, third wednesday drinks in london there might be one up in the northwest somewhere maybe perhaps one down in cornwall and so on and so forth and um you know occasionally people might might go to a. you know it's a bit if you ever do do um park run for example you you can be like a, a park run tourist if you happen to be in another part yeah. of the country so um i think there a are a lot of different artists. chapters yes exactly um a like fight club <laughs> You've got
0: these little franchises hmm. all, all over the place. I mean, so when Nick and I were talking about setting one up in Peterborough. You know, I, I was toying with doing one in London because I was working in London until you know until very recently, right? Um, and 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 so we we hosted. There is there is a libertarian drinks website as well, libertariandrinks.com dot com and dot And I think we I think we bought thirdwednesday dot or thirdwednesdays dot com as well. I think that's
2: we? forwarding there as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, and which which we host. Uh, but the plan was to open that up to people as well. So, you know, you could get like these different chapters, yeah. uh, you know, who could, you could you know have your own page on the website so you can go to the Peterborough page or the you know the, the Midlands page or whatever uh, and then you know kind of organize your own one that's that's the plan we just need the lockdown to end and the pubs to open
1: yeah well this is this is the thing I mean we were um as you know we were <laughs> third Wednesday would be today actually so um
0: yeah we we
1: were, we were going to have a, a sort of makeshift third Wednesday but um but but even then the, the weather um interjected so yeah, it's it's been um, it, it's been really frustrating, but hopefully we can we can get back to it. And um, and actually, you know, in the in the course of, of doing one or two podcasts over the last few weeks, I, I've had quite a few messages um, on Twitter. People saying, "Well, you know, how does this work? Can I? You know, I'm not in the Midlands. I'm in another part of the country, and um, it's really just waiting to, to take off again. Because, I mean, Twitter, Twitter is great, but it's um, uh, you know it, 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 it's it's Twitter right so the, the, the great thing about um uh, when when we when we first turned up I, I remember it quite clearly actually um in in the pub in Worcester uh you know there were probably 15 of us 20 of us perhaps and we were all there for the same reason uh, but nobody recognized each other and then and then Dick walked in and you know Dick's great because um you know, he's got a huge moustache
0: he's recognizable isn't he instantly he's
1: instantly recognizable he you know he often wears a beret um and he came through the door and everybody went oh yeah it's dick ah okay we're all here for the same reason and um uh he actually printed out um everybody's twitter handle so of course some people are on there as joe blogs some people are on there under a pseudonym or, or whatever. And you were you were sat next to people saying, "Oh, okay, yeah, I followed you for 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 the last six, twelve months. We've had conversations. I didn't realise it was you, and and it's it's great. And I think, um, you know, there's probably uh, probably eight, ten, maybe maybe twelve of us who who often go to um, to third Wednesday at Worcester. Um, but then there's a wider group of people that you might see. And, and as you said, you know, um, Andrew, you you went there last year because it's a bit further for you." Um, there'll be plenty of people like that, and um, uh, that's great, you know. And I, I think there's potential for it to go across the country, um, you know. And and people don't necessarily need to live their lives purely on Twitter. As good as Twitter is, it's uh, there's a world out there beyond that. So I think Third Wednesdays have, have, have been great, but um, no, I mean, I, getting back to, to the podcast, I mean, that was that was an, another uh, another great thing to find, um, you know. A platform that you've got two people discussing discussing uh, libertarianism and uh, and freedom and I think really pushing um pushing the boundaries of of where somebody like myself um you know where I've I've seen my perhaps political um uh perhaps you know the rung on the political spectrum that I've that I've sat and um you know, going back, it's only six months since the, the general election, and um, you know, I, I can be quite transparent. I voted Tory, um, and there were a few reasons for that, but the main one was was to uh, to deliver Brexit. And since then, um, you know, I, I think it's fair to say I veered <laughs> further and further in the, in the direction of um, uh, of uh, libertarianism, and and you know, your arguments some of which might have, have been um, a little bit difficult for me to digest six, 12 months ago, now become far more compelling. And I, and I think actually it was, um, it might have been um, uh, Zuby. Um, uh, I guess you guys follow Zuby. I mean, he's Absolutely. But, Yeah, yeah, he, he, he tweeted, I'm sure it was him. He tweeted something a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, if, if the events of the last couple of months haven't pushed you uh, at least, somewhat towards uh, thinking about uh, libertarianism then you know there must be something wrong with you so uh, i uh, i agree with zuby
0: yeah he's 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 very eloquent um so yeah so thanks thanks for coming on before we before we make a, a start do you have do you have so we have a couple of requirements on sounding board podcasts do one we? of them evidently <laughs> is that you don't have any hair the <laughs> second one is that you need to have some scotch ready oh. so do you do you have well, some scotch
1: well, I, I certainly do um You've been yeah. running out, haven't you? I well, do you know what? I yes, I discovered um, a bottle of Balvenie the, the other the other day and it was empty. Um, but I have discovered another bottle which is uh, which is splendid. So here you go. I'm uh, I'm fully charged. Right. Well, I'm uh, I'm Your health. I'm uh, I'm
2: going for can you see oh, that the Killhomon? The Kilhoman. which as you said, I've not I've not got much left. And this was a this was a present. And uh, it's a, This was a grower. I must admit, I started this thinking I don't like that very much. But after three or four glasses, lovely, lovely, lovely.
0: Yeah. See, I've got I've got Tamna Vulin, which is it's actually similar to the Balvenie, although I, in my in my opinion, the Balveni is slightly slightly nicer. But this is this is also mature. This is like a double wood, so it's matured in uh, bourbon barrels for the first few years. Uh, and then sherry casks afterwards. Uh,
2: Ooh, so does that make it quite sweet then?
0: It's a tiny bit. Yeah, it's not too sweet, but it's a tiny bit sweet. And it's, well, uh, I, it's a space I, side anyway,
2: so it's quite
1: light. I, I, I'm certainly not going to... I mean, you you, you guys seem to have a, a very knowledgeable um, <laughs> uh, background when it comes to whiskey. Um, but I, I typically, I, I kind of avoid the really peaty whiskies. That's just my personal preference. So yeah. this one tends to... Uh, uh, fall into that camp so any, any suggestions on that side of things uh, i know this is partly whiskey podcast i, I think uh i think we, 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 we hold
2: should- back from you know we could we could just do a whiskey podcast and i'm sure yeah, we would sure. be we would be very drunk after the end of each one um but didn't want to didn't want to be too much of a niche but you know we we like to just drop in here we need like to drop in what it is we're drinking just to give a little Give a little hint, but uh, yeah. anyway,
0: if, if you like, if you like that, Dan, I think you probably like some Singleton, Singleton of Dufftown. That's a good one. Talisca, the Talisca Sky and Storm. They're not, yeah. they're not. There's a tiny, tiny bit of peat, but not too much.
2: Ardmore, which is a Highland, which I'm a, I'm going to move on to if I finish the uh, the Kilholman. It's a very, yeah. very so easy. Any, anyway,
0: cheers, guys, cheers. to uh, to to Libertarian cheers. drinks, third to Wednesdays. Libertarian drinks,
2: that, it, as it's third Wednesday.
0: right okay so just getting into a little bit so i mean i obviously dan you and i've had lost conversations on you know on on twitter and and in person so where would you where would you describe your kind of position on the on the political spectrum because i would probably put you kind of around probably classical liberal moving towards libertarian which is probably where i was a few years ago um is that is that accurate or
1: yeah i think that's fair and um it's it's a very strange one actually. I, I was having this conversation. I think it was with Dick actually the other day, and I, I said, you know, probably the two um, the two driving forces that that have always made me um, vote Tory. I mean, a, a little reluctantly at times, I have to say. It's partly the, um, the the kind of concept of, of liberty in, in 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 every sense really that I I don't really want the state deciding things for me. You know, if at all possible, um, you know whether that's the sort of traditional nanny state type of things that you might see on the, uh, you know, I don't read newspapers, but the sort of Daily Mail type of things where you get all of these so-called progressive taxes and you know, you know, heavy regulation of the markets and all of that sort of thing. Um, uh, but but just just the concept of, of the sort of small state and um, uh, you know, just kind of leave us alone as individuals to, to lead our lives. So that's kind of. One side of it, and then I, I guess the other side of it is um, I, I have some degree of, of of I guess emotional sympathy to the high Tory argument, um, which you might say is the sort of the, the Roger Scruton side of things, which is that you know I, I have uh, and, and perhaps because of my background, I mean I went to private school and grew up in the country, and um, you know probably mixed in some of those circles, and so I think the idea of um, uh, you know, l- loving the things that are great about the the, the country, um, but I think if you look at those two uh, two elements, it's the second one really that's fallen away in recent years. And I th- and, and I would actually go back uh, to to the whole sort of Brexit period, and particularly the period before that, the sort of the late nineties, the Blair years, the noughties, where suddenly a lot of these institutions um, sort of they stayed being institutions, but they kind of just just got taken over by, well, now you'd you'd call it the sort of progressive left woke uh, type of of, of uh, sort of influence. But I think back then it was just this sort of very statist kind of um, uh, kind of thing. So I guess what that means is you know you have a, a House of Lords that's packed full of people who are going to think and operate the same way you know anybody with a QC after their title I mean, I was having a joke I think with a few of the guys at, at, at uh, third Wednesday drinks a while back saying you know when I grew up you know you had this idea that you know to be a, a lawyer to be a barrister you know it would be a the sort of position that that you know your local community would 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 hold you in high esteem and you know one thinks of somebody in a tweed jacket and uh, you know all that sort of thing whereas the reality is QCs in recent years have basically been uh, I, I don't know, sort of uh, people who have been um, Ramonas and and you know campaigning to stay in the EU. So I suppose gradually, I've 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 been a, a bit um, well, I've grown aghast at the state of institutions in in this country, and I suppose that means I've become less patriotic. I mean, I still consider myself uh, patriotic, and I I love the idea that that I have of of, uh, of this country and what it should be, but. I think that side of things really has has ebbed away a little bit. And I probably had some hope and expectation that a government with, you know, with Boris, who, after all, was supposed to be quite patriotic himself and quite cavalier. And, and you know, if not a if not a, um, a right winger in the economic sense, um, certainly a, um, a lover of liberty, um, that a government led by Boris coupled with our departure from the EU would perhaps take us back towards that direction. And um, that started out okay with the first bit, perhaps the first month we left the EU, technically speaking, and since then, not so much. So I I guess that's a very long answer to to your question. But I I guess if if I look at it in in terms of those two um, spheres of influence, the second one really has fallen away. And and I'm kind of now... I am heading towards the point where the the less the, the less influence and the less power and authority that the state have um, over over us as individuals, the better, in my view.
2: Um, let me just rewind a little bit from this most recent election because um, I've I've been quite open on the podcast about uh, about my journey, which has been uh, pretty pretty similar. Um, 2010, David Cameron. Did you have any hope at all that things would actually get get better? Even though it was a coalition government and yada yada yada. Yeah. How how Tory were you then? Because uh, because I I kind of was. There was uh, it was it was very growing. It was very much growing within me this this fear that no matter who was in charge, they were all statists. But I had. And yeah, you know, and you know, they'd obviously promised to cut to the size of the state. They had to, etc. How did you feel at that at that moment? Because to me, it's been downhill ever since. But yeah. <laughs> you know, I did have hope in 2010.
1: It's a good question. I, I think I'm with you. I, I, I think I had hope, Um but I think partly, I mean, if you think about it, I again, I, I, I'm. I'm probably a little bit unusual. I was probably fairly politically engaged at an early age. So, for example, I mean, so I was born in 1980. I'm 40 years old. I was a millennial, not a millennial. Right? I I wondered when we were going to get into that. We can.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Children of the 1980 are very special people, Dan. I'm sure you agree. Yes. Yes. And not millennials. And now that there's two of us, moving we can, on, we can gang on. up on him in a in a very democratic
1: way. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, le- leaving aside whether I'm a millennial or not, I, I mean, I I was um, how old was I? Ten, I think. When when did Thatcher? It's 1990. Yeah, So I was ten when Thatcher. Um, was effectively forced to, to resign. But, I, I, you know, I remember a lot of, of the, the, the world we lived in with, with Thatcher. Um, of course, as a 10-year-old, you don't remember that you, you're not engaged to the same level of detail as you are as an adult. Nevertheless, of course. It, it, it was there and, you know, that, that was the world we were in and then you, you had Major. And I think... Uh, when did Blair get in 97 97. that's a long period of of having a Labour government now okay you could argue well yeah okay it was a Labour government but it was a soft Labour government it wasn't the Labour government of the 60s and 70s it wasn't the Labour government of the the late 40s okay but it was still a Labour government and I think crucially you know all of the things that I've just touched on in terms of the the direction of travel with, with the way that the country was going you know laws and regulation and, and big state and all, and all this sort of thing was was going in, in one direction. So I think there's a context to that. When it looked like Cameron could get in, and of course my hope was that it, he would get in with a majority. Um, he didn't, but he okay, he still got in. Part of that is, well, surely this has to be better than than continuing Gordon Brown as, as it was then. Um, and so there is that context where you think, pragmatically and I, I suppose this is one element of me you know that i have that that attachment that i describe to the sort of high high tory sort of uh, patriotic institution thing that's an, an emotional attachment that's that's me with my sort of um uh you know uh, um rose tinted glass perspective on but the pragmatic side of me is well surely Boris Johnson's better than Jeremy Corbyn. Surely David Cameron is better than, than Gordon Brown. And I, I, I did have expectations. I think the other thing back then was that um, I hadn't sort of, I hadn't sort of gone through and reviewed it in 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 the way that I did with my Brexit hat. Of course, Brexit came uh when did Cameron get in 2010 so Brexit was tw-
0: so tw- 2015 it was in It, was, it yeah was, it was around 2015 when it kicked
1: off wasn't it right okay so that so five years after he first gets in with the coalition government you're then into the sort of Brexit era and I think probably then with that were you always a lever were yeah. you always for you know forever and a day
2: yes because because I think that's something that I find interesting looking back at, <clears throat> excuse me, looking back at my political history. My instinct was leave the EU, EU bad, government, yeah. you know, more government, less government, yeah, you know, those kind of angles. Um, but I'll, but I'll be honest, I wasn't a hundred percent convinced until the campaign started.
0: Really, because and- I, I remember, I remember Dad being anti-EU in the nineties. <laughs> Yeah, you know, in 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 the, in the early nineties, when because I think I think it was the ninety two election where the referendum was that was that with the referendum party the referendum party yeah. oh I remember yeah do you remember them and I remember I remember my Dad toying with the idea of voting for the referendum party just to just to you know, to, to get out of the EU so they would get so they would get out
1: that was and the then, you know have a general election the Maastricht Treaty wasn't it was it was I think it Ma- so, yes. Maastricht, was that ninety two was that ninety three I want to say ninety three could be wrong yeah. but
2: it's all around that time isn't it
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And but so, so I've been, I've been, I've been anti-EU for, for for years and years because because of that. So it's interesting to hear that, that you perhaps were teetering on the edge
2: a little bit, Nick. Well, I, yeah, no, I I absolutely was. I I remember I remember when Gove came out and said, "Right, I'm for leave, and it's because of sovereignty, and let's talk about the structure of the courts, and etc. 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 and and you know and and other senior Tories." Um, came out uh, you know broke cover because they were you know allowed to in the cabinet and all of this Uh, and that was the point where I went oh no okay it's it's all right I I tell you what did did cause me an issue and that was up until that point the face of Brexit was Nigel Farage and there was always something I'm not I'm not saying I, I I dislike him but I'm but I'm saying that there was always something a little uneasy about uh about UKIP and about the the way that all of their campaigning happened, and certainly the way it was portrayed, um, that I didn't want to be associated with that. And so actually have some senior Tories come out, that made me more comfortable. And so I mean, my 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 journey from twenty fifteen to now has been like falling off a cliff. And you know, there are there are key moments, but Brexit was an interesting one for me. It was a defining moment, I think. Um, but but I wasn't I would I could have been convinced if, if Cameron had come back with any kind of a good deal, of something showing that you could <laughs> to coin a phrase, take back control in some way, roll it back some way, mm. I could have been convinced to vote for it.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, Nick, if I can ask you a question though you, you described that unease that you had with with Farage being being the face, and I think that's I, I, I suspect there's probably quite a few people who felt like that, but is that something that you would be um, less bothered about now, or do, do you still Okay
2: totally, totally. Um, I mean look I, <laughs> on the 2015 general election uh, the, the, the day after. Where where the results are pouring in overnight, and then first thing in the morning, um, I was in my absolute political element with various people getting kicked out. Uh, you know, various high profile. You know, Ed Balls that was hilarious. You know, even just the fact that there was going to be uh, a majority Tory government, and no one else was predicting it. And I was going, I think they're going to get ten or fifteen, and they did. And Douglas Alexander got kicked out. Nigel Farage didn't make it. I considered that a victory at the time, right. um, and then from that moment on, when when he resigned for the you know second out of eight times or however many times he's resigned from uh, you know being the leader of UKIP and started doing things more generally political, got his LBC show, and you know became a bit more of a pundit. I really, I really warmed to him actually, and I didn't think he was too bad through the Brexit campaign itself. Um, but now I really don't have much problem with um, with Farage at all. I mean, you, as soon as he, as soon as he was removed from UKIP, it just started continually imploding, and you realise that it was literally being held together by him. Mm. Um, but no, I don't have any qualms qualms over him at all now. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. I mean, the reason I asked the question is because one of the things that um, I discussed with with James on 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 the Dalian Pod is that. There, there are some people, it, it's almost like, a, 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 again, like a scale. And, and it's a scale of, of how comfortable you are. And it's, it's a scale of, of, of how almost controversial the person that you align yourself with. So it's a little bit like, well, how, um, you know, okay, so you could, you could take 10 people, okay, who, who are of the right, let's say, let's use that broad term, uh, and put them on Twitter and then it's how comfortable are you retweeting something by that person? You know, and, and, I, and I haven't thought about what the scale would be, but. No, I like this. We're, we're all about we creating should, yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, this. Right.
2: <laughs> this, is, this is really good stuff.
1: <laughs> you, you see, and, 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 you know, James's point is that um, he gets frustrated when he's, when he's been on, I mean, of course, you know, he's been on TV a lot, in, certainly in the past. If he gets put on a, a, on a, on a panel show, for example, with other people, you know, there'll be a there'll be a so-called conservative who is who, who is sat next to him, who has to soften their views somewhat to, to almost make themselves feel like that they, they are, um, you know, they're acceptable to, to, to the masses who, who are watching. And actually, his gripe is that you know they use him as the as the person, He's the sacrifice. Yeah. So that that's it's just yeah. a
2: form
0: of it's just a form of virtue signalling. I think yes. it's is them saying, look look at me, I'm not that bad, I'm not as bad as James Dellingpole or whatever. Yeah. And then the only people that, that you could get on that beyond that would be you know Tommy Robinson or David Icke or somebody right. like that. Um, you know, they, they, they use as, as you know as the same thing. Yeah. It's all all it is is just yeah, it's, it's just Tory virtue signalling.
1: Yeah, it's to give you an anchor point so that you can say, I am a reasonable person because there are a few... V- I mean, like, you know, Julia Hartley Brewer, for example, is very, very anti-Trump. And the, the yes. question would be, is she anti-Trump because she genuinely can't stand any of his policies? Because she tends to talk about the the sort of um that the unsavory let's say aspects of his of of his personality in the way he communicates as opposed to actually things that he's done which which actually is a a tactic that many people do or is she actually anti-trump because it allows her to say to a wider pool of people i'm reasonable you know perhaps if you know perhaps we've got something in common there and and therefore you can hear my other views on you know brexit or whatever it might be and i think that's you know, going back, you asked about where I was at in terms of politics in, in 2010. That whole concept is probably something that I hadn't really thought about. Um, but subconsciously, I, I was definitely not as confident to be able to, uh, you know, stand my ground and, and and say, yeah, actually, I I do like that person or I do agree with, with that person's views. Um, the extra sort of caveat to this really is... Um, is, is that many people have to be very careful in, in, let's say, a work environment because that's where, you know, your personal views sometimes have to, um, you know, they just have to be dampened down a little bit. And, and maybe if you take that same mindset out in, into into the world, into you know, with your friends and family, um, you know, you can get stuck into that thing where you say, oh, should I really, should I like that tweet? Should I agree with that perspective? Do I really want to sit that far over you know whatever the scale happens to be see
2: i'm i'm very fortunate um i i basically don't have a boss uh and, and certainly my my business partner um very much um shares similar uh you know b- b- political and social views as i do um and so i don't have as uh douglas murray would describe it a wobbly hierarchy over me right. uh, and, uh, and 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 Twitter for me I mean as you know I've not been on Twitter for very long at all um, dragged on by by my brother in order to try and promote the podcast um, but I must admit I found it I found it exceptionally good fun <laughs> but I I have the group of people that I talk with on Twitter are completely and utterly separate from my friends and family or my my work connections on LinkedIn I I can kind of almost blow off steam on on Twitter and I not have to think about the consequences in any of the other groups I've got. Now it's interesting, you know, going back to third Wednesdays, that's when it starts crossing over and you start mm. actually making friends with people on there because you may say share similar views. Um but I think you're absolutely right. You 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 do have to be careful obviously what you say in front of various people. I think that when it comes to certain um pundits people who who who've got a job and they are trying to um uh, trying to get as wider audience as possible i think there absolutely has to be some political posturing to that otherwise they're just not going to get their platform and there's a there's a kind of there's a degree to which they can go they probably can't go any further um and that's and that's a problem obviously yeah
0: just to just to flip just to flip that around a little bit though is it something i've discovered is that as a libertarian it's not quite as hard as you might think to find common ground with anybody because everybody hates the other side and if you become like a like a libertarian or a voluntarist you can kind of almost hate everybody, so whoever whoever it is yeah. that your you know your business partner or your colleague is is ranting about you can probably find something to join in with it you know if, if, if people were ranting about the labor party then I, I can I find it very, very easy to join in if people are ranting about the conservative party then there's there's enough there for me to join in yeah. as well um so that that's the, the kind of way I, I I've been tackling it at work is wow. you find yeah. you find common ground and common enemies.
2: This is the. That way. Yeah. This is the. They're all a bunch of bastards. Method, isn't yeah. it? You just you just
1: oppose everything that's and everyone popular, in the popular, isn't it? With 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 most people, yeah. I, I think that that's the other aspect to this. Again, you know, looking at this in terms of um, the the, the left right authoritarian libertarian, and, and I know that doesn't really do do the complete job. But if you want to simplify it that way, I do think that um, if if you if you're libertarian. Um, elements and sympathies are bigger in the picture and bigger in the mix that that seems to be less objectionable to people because ultimately the concept of freedom seems a reasonable one whereas if you say that you're right wing as opposed to left wing well suddenly that's more problematic because with right, with being right wing, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of a lot of things attached to that, and a lot of preconceptions about that. Particularly now, I think, because because you know um, some of some left wing concepts seem to be on the rise again.
2: Um, Would you so- agree that that's
1: easier? Um,
2: that's easier over here, probably than in the US, where they obviously have a to a certain degree a more overt sense of liberty. Um, in their culture and obviously you know, the gun rights and they 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 have a libertarian party and, and there are so-called libertarians within the Republican Party. Because of that, though, it gets tagged as being right-wing. So over yeah. here, as you say, you can kind of separate them a bit more. You can say, oh, no, 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 right-wing is this, that, and the other. I'm not for that. I'm for freedom. Whereas there is a broader... Mm-hmm. Well, you're just right wing, and and that includes hating poor people, and you know, and everything else.
1: Yeah, possibly. I mean, it it works both ways. It's an interesting one because the other thing, of course, it makes
2: it, it less mainstream, which is the which is a problem
1: at the same time. It does, but then I think you know, there is that concept as well that once. It, it's, and again, you know, referencing Roger Scruton, it's very easy to to, to to destroy things, but it's harder to create things. And by the same token, you know, it's it's easy for a government to take things away, but but it's much harder to get those things back. So if you think about, you know, the the, the gun rights, for example, we've we've never really had had those to a, to any degree in this in this country in the modern era. I think there was a tightening of of, um, firearms legislation in the '90s because there was a uh, what was the um, it was Dunblane it was Dunblane wasn't it yeah Dunblane I was going to say there's there's been a couple of things but that was the thing where they they tightened it and now I mean you know I I go um, occasionally I go clay pigeon shooting I might get my my shotgun license but that's very much it you know as as far as it, it is in this country whereas. Of course, you know this is a big concept in in um, in the US. It's a big talking point. It's part of their constitution. It's been you know f- for as long as they've been a nation. You know your your ability to um, uh, to carry firearms. It's interesting, actually. There's a, there's a boss at our company who, um, who who's actually lived over and in, in, he travels a lot to the US, but he has spent time living over there. And he said the interesting thing is that it's just a very different. Um, concept you know europeans would look at it and say why on earth would you want guns he said but take something like driving he said over in um over in europe you know you you get heavy traffic and, and you get to sort of you know friday afternoon everyone's rushing home or maybe the football's on or something like that and you know there's horns beeping there's tailgating there's people getting out their cars and having arguments he said the same thing over in the us doesn't happen everybody's very 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 calm because they've got revolvers in their, you know, in their glove pockets. And <laughs> so it's like, you know, and that that's not you know, necessarily an argument for us all carrying guns, but it's like... It changes the dynamic, though.
0: Yeah, it it, it, has, it has lots of hidden benefits. I mean, there, there are things like, I mean, you, I wouldn't... Knowing how bad American cops are, do you really want them to be the only ones with the guns? <laughs> yeah. You know, it, that's it, quite it, topical. That's a, <laughs> Not that you know that, that's that's a that's a no brainer for me. You know, being able to defend yourself against an American cop, I think, should be a, should be a right of anybody, yeah. anybody over there. And there are things like, cause, you know, obviously they've got different rules in different states, and some some states, you know, allow concealed carry, but often often in these states, uh, there's less violent crime because you only need a small percentage of people to to conceal their weapons, and nobody knows if you do or not so that you know kind of would-be criminals and robbers are, are, are kind of put off because they never know if that person's going to carry a gun or not so everybody benefits from like a, a small percentage of people carrying guns yeah. so there are, there are lots of these benefits as well
1: yeah and i think you know, again um thinking about you know the, the the kind of political journey that i've taken in the last six months i think it's for most people, it's it's the point at which, well, you know, whatever you're talking about, whether you're talking about roads or police or the, the you know, a health service of, of any sort, the of welfare state, it's this idea that, you know, ultimately the state, the government has, has got my back. So, you know, if, if I'm in the worst position, then there's a government there and they're going to sort things out. And I guess the point is over the last few weeks is that, 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 that that's been put to the stress test. And... You know, now people are looking at it saying, well, hold on a minute. We, we, we are now under complete state duress here. And is this working for me? Would I be better off under these circumstances, making my own decisions, coming to my own conclusions? Now, for for me, the answer is yes. And, and I suspect for a lot of people, but, you know, there are still and, and this is where I'm I'm feeling slightly more uh, pessimistic and bleak and probably a little bit Peter Hitchens about it. I think there are still uh, uh, there is an overwhelming majority of people who still think no, the government have, have got my back, and and I don't know what you do about that. Shall we lighten
2: the mood a little bit and move on to a game?
0: Well, I was I was just about to ask you because we, we were we were we were try we we had a chat about this. Said so look, don't get too deep too quickly. We'll just have a quick chat for a few yeah. minutes, and then we'll get straight into the. And game. then we
2: got deep. forty minutes later. Guns <laughs> then. So. You two had a conversation not what twenty four hours ago or whatever on on twitter. I don't even know what it was started about and Dan, you came up with an idea for the podcast um you're aware of our um left right game mm. um where where we like to throw out well, something Andy came up with, and then I've ran with it throwing out ideas and then we talk about whether they're left or right or or maybe centre. Uh, and you came up with, I think you were talking about MPs, a list of MPs, and you came up with useless or damaging. Now, I've had a good think about this. I've written down a list of names. I'm going to be quizmaster on this, and you two can basically play. Um, but what I am going to say is useless or damaging. I think you can be both. And, you know, step forward, please, Boris Johnson, <laughs> who is – who is both those? So, if you wanted to reframe it, harmless or dangerous, might be where you want to go. But I will accept useless, damaging, harmless, dangerous. I think we all know which uh, which direction we're going in. Yeah, we're gonna...
0: we, we were we were chatting about politicians, and Dan said something about they're all useless, and I said, "No, hang on a second. You wish? I would love. I would love them all yeah. to be useless if they were just if, if they had like you know they, they effectively did nothing yeah. because they,
2: because they were that useless. We've that spoken about this. Amazing when, when Theresa May was in quotes in power, and it was legislative deadlock.
1: It was. Andy and I
2: jumping around. Yeah, yeah, we're jumping around, going they're not doing anything it's brilliant they're not making our lives any worse um and in, in many ways that obviously has quite a bit of truth to it um right i'm going to jump in we're gonna i'm going to go in hopefully pretty easy for you to start with with david lammy so who, who, who's going to go first then who did do you do you want to go first Dan? Go on, Dan, useless or damaging harmless or dangerous david lammy
1: Ah. Oh, um you can talk
2: for as little or as much as you like on any one of these.
1: I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say dangerous, purely because actually, in his capacity as an MP, I, I don't think he's ever been an MP in a in a government. I don't know how long he's been serving actually as an MP.
2: He might have been a junior minister, but I don't know. To be honest, yeah, I, he's probably just always been a shadow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think so. So, so he's essentially, he's never been um, an MP in, in government in, or certainly not in the last 10 years or so. And and from that perspective, he he's, he's probably more useless, but he does so much on the, on the sort of what I'd call the race baiting side of things, which I think right now is, is we're seeing is, is a huge issue that, yeah, I, I would say, I would say dangerous.
0: Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. He, he, he just, he just stirs up racial hatred
2: all the time. But don't we want to keep him exactly where he is because he's also very ridiculous?
0: If it if it was just if it was just him being if it was just him being ridiculous on his policies, if it was just him like appearing on mastermind and getting all the questions right <laughs> and all that kind of thing and <laughs> so going wandering around saying, oh, I haven't seen a police officer, I've been here 15 <laughs> minutes, and there's like one right behind him. Or or if he's commenting about the black smoke coming out of the, the Vatican because you know all these all these ridiculous if it was just that then i'd, I'd agree it would be great but okay. i think i think that the kind of the race baiting i've, I've made more dangerous because he does he he generate lots of you know, lots of hatred uh, he
1: should that. be a character the adventure the further adventures of david lammy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you
0: and you wouldn't really have to invent anything you could you sure, could just sure. you know document his life couldn't you
1: okay
2: so uh, moving on uh matt hancock
0: Um, he's a difficult one, isn't he? Because I've always thought he's pretty useless, but then I don't know how much, how much is he? Cause he's, he's, he's been involved with damaging things a lot recently because of the
2: lockdown. Well, is that
0: him or is that just everybody? I mean, I'll accept
2: one. that you might both think that any possible serving cabinet minister right now is dangerous. That's it. That, that's kind of a given. Um, but Matt Hancock, I think's an interesting one because he's kind of a nobody. Mm. Yet he's got this at really quite important position right now, or at least
1: it kind of looks like he does. I think he was a remainer as well. They almost all are, yeah, yeah, but the reason I say that is because a large part of the composition of Boris's cabinet was that was a big thing that they were they were supposed to be genuine brexiteers, you know, Dominic Ra, pretty Patel. grove etc but i think he's one of the few who were were the sort of continuity remainer types um
0: he he signed he signed up to boris's manifesto though didn't he he said look i was a remainer but this is what the country voted for and and i'll you know i'll implement it so yeah to to give him his due he did he did say that i believe
2: right i need an answer from you both um Uh, useless cabinet minister dangerous
1: (laughs) i I would agree in his current capacity
2: yeah
1: he's not making any better is he As I look down
2: my list, I'm wondering whether we're going to consider any of these people to be useless at all. So, And we're going to move on to Keir Starmer.
0: Ooh, that's an interesting one. I mean, so he was definitely dangerous when he was, what was he, Director of Public Prosecutions or something? Massively
2: dangerous then.
0: Hugely dangerous then. Um, Is he, I mean, he's certainly not as dangerous as Jeremy Corbyn. And is he getting? I, don't, I, don't, I think useless because he's not really he's not really covering the Labour Party in glory when it should be, you know, this should be open season for them. What, you know, what in, an
2: opportunity in to be an opposition! And exactly, and not he's not
0: making anything of it. So I, I think probably useless.
1: I, I would, or harmless. I would agree. I, I think the interesting thing about Keir Starmer is that he, the circumstances around Parliament right now, where you've got like. I mean, there's only a small number of MPs who can actually sit in the chamber. It's turned it into this sort of um, like really stale courtroom type of thing, as, a part, as, as opposed to that rowdy Victorian um, sort of, you know, funfair of, of MPs, which, which suits Boris, but the, the sort of cross-examining um, nature of, of Keir Starmer, you know, he, he's kind of flourished. But I think once that goes back at some point, I think he's going to lose that um, that point of difference and then the reality is he he's probably going to be perceived as quite a boring guy i would say
2: i'll take that ed davy
0: Lived them so come on guys by this definition useless
2: yeah <laughs> useless magic grandpa now or or a year ago interpret it as you will
0: and now he's harmless i think isn't he or is he? Does he still? Oh, that's a difficult one, because, because it's, it's, it's like Karl Marx in that people are still talking about Corbynism. He's got They're still talking about Marxism. So is, is Karl Marx now harmless? Probably not. So, yeah, maybe Corbyn isn't as well.
1: I think you're giving him a lot of credit for his uh, <laughs> <laughs> your ideas there.
2: Okay, then we're going to move on to Gavin Williamson.
0: Do you want to take this one down?
1: Yeah, I would. I would say useless.
2: Yeah. Good, Andy. Yeah. He's
0: he's, he's not competent in any way,
2: is he? Well, and the, his handling of the schools, or rather the teaching unions, right now, utterly, utterly useless. Damaging in terms of you know my kids' education, but utterly useless. Does that
0: mean he's dangerous then?
1: Well, I, I yeah. I- uh, the only thing I will say, I, I think he's useless. He's handled this really badly. I, I'm going to give him, I'm going to throw him a a tiny bone, which is that if you are hampered by some of the ridiculous um, principles and, and regulations that the government have, have asked, so you know the two meter rule, for instance. And then you have the unions there, which the government don't seem to have any appetite. You know, I, I guess what I'm saying is, I wonder how much he's been pushed out there as a lone figure and told get the stu- get the schools reopened with his, with both hands tied. I mean, I still think he's useless, but there, there is. I,
0: I I think this is one of those ones where he's he's dangerous because he's useless and he's getting walked all over by the unions. So maybe he's not yeah. harmless. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. From Gavin Williamson to Chris Williamson.
0: Hey, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I despise him. I mean, and he just, it just reminds me of like Nosferatu or something. Whenever you kind of see him and he's got this kind of evil look and he's, I mean, he's an absolute out and out communist, isn't he? Um, he's got about, I mean, it, didn't, didn't he, didn't he get like, didn't he lose his deposit in the last time? So, you know, I, I, I think he's probably, he's probably a good example of, of a, of a ridiculous communist. So he's probably a useful idiot. For, for freedom lovers like us so yeah, I, I don't I don't think he's that dangerous now
1: yeah I, I, I like the phrase useless communist <laughs> okay <laughs> a tautology
2: surely <laughs> um okay Layla Moran oh wow
0: I mean she, she was dangerous for her boyfriend uh, a few years <laughs> back when when she punched him in the face um <laughs>
2: You know more about her already than I do. I just put a few Lib Dems
1: in here for fun, assuming you just go useless. Move on. I, I have this image of um, maybe I've I've I'm remembering the wrong person here, but didn't didn't she tweet uh, or tweet or take a photo and share of of her sat next to Caroline Lucas in Parliament, having vote, having voted against one of the um, uh, the, the the withdrawal agreements. Like kind of yay! Look at what we've done. I mean, like I just remember it as being one of the most um, irritating images that I that I've seen in that whole period of, of, let's be honest, irritation. So it was against some stiff stiff competition. Um, and since then, she's she's like she she's gone down the whole pansexual. Uh, I don't know what what that how to describe that particular path that she's she's gone down. Presumably, she's trying yeah. to carve out a niche of relevance. Because the Lib Dems are sort of, what are the Lib Dems now?
0: Yeah, I, I don't remember that photo, but irrit- if, it's, if it was irritating, that certainly sounds like her. Right.
1: Um, the whole
0: the whole pansexual thing, I just I get the impression that's just attention seeking as well. Um, yep. you but Yeah, Lib Dem useless. Yep. Gordon Brown. In his day, catastrophic because he. He doubled or tripled the tax code, didn't he? And he was responsible for, you know, some awful, awful policy uh, when he was Chancellor and and Prime Minister. I think he's probably, probably reasonably harmless now.
1: Um, Uh, Yeah, would would you agree? agree, I would agree with that. I think he's probably. You could argue, actually, of all the prime ministers since Thatcher, in other words, all, all the living prime ministers. He's probably conducted himself the best since leaving office. I mean, that's not again. That's not up against much competition, but um, I'd give him that credit. But I agree, as prime minister and as chancellor, particularly awful.
0: When when he when he actually stepped down from being prime minister as well, because this was another thing that kind of that kind of made me think, you know, I'm 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 a proper libertarian now, because. He, he he kind of he stepped down from prime minister, but he was still a backbench MP. But he was never turning up. I remember I set I've set myself like a, a, a so you can get these online reminders where you get emailed when a politician of your choice does something, okay. and you can tick a number of things. You can say right whether they turned up to the Houses of Parliament, whether they gave a speech, whether they voted on something. And I I, I selected Gordon Brown for like everything. Whenever he did anything, I would get an email, and I got maybe five emails in, in like a year. And before I would have thought, well, he's not doing his duty to his constituents. What are, what are the, you know, what are the Kilkutty, you know, um, people, you know, they've got no representation. And then suddenly I was like, you know what? This is brilliant. He's doing nothing. He's not doing any damage. <laughs> he's not, you know, producing any awful legislation. He's one of these useless politicians. And and, and that was great. So even, even the tail end of his career as a parliamentarian was was fine as far as I was concerned.
1: I love the idea, by the way, that you know when you when you get the run-up to, to general elections or local elections, and you get people desperately trying to get as many, uh, you know, accomplishments onto onto the, onto the to, to the slip of paper as possible, the leaflet. I love the idea that your thing is well, look, I've had four years of doing absolutely nothing, and I've done it for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would that would almost that would almost persuade me to vote for somebody. I think
1: if if they had
0: uh, vote for me. And I will do absolutely nothing. I'd be I'd be tempted.
2: I'd be very tempted. Right, you can go first on this one, Dan. Pretty Patel.
1: Ah, this is a difficult one. I I had such high hopes of Pretty Patel. We all did.
2: That's why I put her in here.
1: Yeah, so well. Is she is she dangerous? Is she is she useless? Um I was prepared to cut her some slack over the whole lockdown thing. That, uh, and I was going to say, well, look, maybe he's being kind of cajoled into this. Maybe, maybe, you know, Boris and, and coming. Decision and, from the top, all of that. Yeah. yeah. But then, but then this is her moment, right? With, with what's gone on in the last couple of weeks with the riots, with all of the unrest, this is her moment. And I, 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 I have to say, I, I, I'd be inclined to say dangerous because if you get somebody like Priti Patel and put her into the role of, of of Home Secretary and give her the scope of influence and the circumstances we've now got, and yet this is this is how the police operate and and the way that government have handled it, then what hope have you got? Yeah,
0: anything to add, Andy? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't help but agree with with with, with most of that. Um, it's it's one of those things. I mean, just go just going back to the riots. So I mean, and we talked about this on the last podcast. And I'm I'm not for state-run police. I would prefer I'd prefer to choose the agency that, that protects me. And if they do a bad job, they can they can go hang, and I'll, I'll go and find somebody else. But if you're you know if you, if you if you're in this position of power and you're effectively in charge of the police, and then you get riots one week by these kind of raging left-wingers and you basically give them a pass, what happens is the next week all the all the, the kind of the far-right thugs suddenly feel empowered and then feel that they can get violent as well. And this is – by the way, this is exactly what the people on the far-left want because, as, as we know, for some time there's been a, a supply and demand issue with, with fascists in that they've been saying that they're everywhere – and that you just you just can't find them, and then half a dozen of them, you know, be- suddenly become empowered because the police have just abso- absolutely failed in their duty to protect people, uh, and then suddenly you get a few, and that, and that just empowers the people on the far left again, and gives them something else to write rally against. So it's exactly what they want. They want the far right to come out so they can, you know, they can kind of project and and, and yeah. So I I would say dangerous.
2: Um, I think currently. I think we could talk about that that one point for hours. Frankly, um, that. Lockdown aside, in terms of bad decisions, the decision not to have the police be the police on those first weekends of protests and riots was was properly up there in one of the worst political decisions ever. I think,
1: you know, it just to, to have them bend the knee and all, just ludicrous. Well, it, it, uh, to me, it looked like a, a, a almost like a trap in that you could see how it was going to play out. And I, I'd liken it to, you know, if you imagine going back to school and, and, and you know, you're, you're sat in a classroom and there's somebody behind you, you know, perhaps you're in silence, you're doing some work, as a teacher at the front, you're somewhere near the back, there's somebody behind you constantly flicking your ear, right? And and you're there for half an hour and you kind of, you, you try and sort of, you know, get them to, to stop and the teacher's not interested and they carry on. And then at the end of the lesson, you, you, you suddenly turn around and lash out and the teacher goes berserk, sends you out of, of the room. You get detention. You think, well, hold on a minute. This is like, how can you handle things this way? You're you're setting somebody up here, or, or in this case, you know, the, the the people who came down last weekend, by virtue of of the fact that you didn't handle it first time around. And and I think the the, the hope that I have is that I think a lot of people can see how this whole thing played out. Um, in much the same way that they could see how the whole Brexit thing played out in Parliament. You know, there is a certain degree of transparency. But you're right. I mean, the police have been absolutely dreadful.
0: It's difficult to think of a bigger abdication of responsibility in the last few years, I would say. And just, just going back to your point about kind of like getting flicked in the air, I mean... That just that just takes me back to my childhood. I was all I was always getting sent out because you know I say always, but quite a few times. I mean Nick Nick jokes that he, he, the only time he ever used to see me at school was when I was standing in the corridor. But I I'd, I would get people who would who would who would kind of do that at so, all, and I would just after a few minutes I just I'd have enough, turn around, punch them in the face, and then I'd get I'd get sent out. The thing about that is you only have to do it a few times and they don't do it again, um, but you do have to get sent yeah. out, you know. Uh, several times before uh, this was before, this is that
2: before you found the more pure form of libertarianism,
1: right?
0: I think I think libertarians still defend themselves. I think,
1: you know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, okay. <laughs> I like the fact that this is turning into more of a therapy session as to actually- how <laughs> <laughs> he needs it.
2: So, right, I'm going to rattle through some more now. Fiona Onasanya.
0: This is more. This is more my territory than Dan's, isn't it? <laughs>
2: Um, Only because she's our or she was our neighboring MP,
0: yeah, um I yeah, harmless, I think, um you know beyond beyond useless um, if though if they were all like her, um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I guess so she was dangerous at a point because didn't she 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 went into the houses of parliament <coughs> with her tag on her ankle as a convicted criminal and she was the the decide or she was one of the deciding oh, votes yes. isn't she you know it was one vote. With a withdrawal agreement, or something like that. I've forgotten
2: about that. One of those key votes, yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, so she was. It, it, it's it's really di- when when you talk about when you talk about politicians, Nick, it's really difficult because they're all in positions of power. They they all have power over all three of us and sixty six million other people. Um, so it's difficult to, to 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 call them useless or harmless when when they just have that amount of power over us. Um, so there's an argument for saying that they're all dangerous, all six hundred and fifty of them.
1: Well, I, I would agree. But to be honest, I'd forgotten about that because didn't she – I think she wrote my favourite tweet of the year in, in the last couple of days. With, in the last 24 hours about yeah, Kellogg's? Really? Yes, yes. Have you not seen this, Andrew? Go no. Down. Oh, it, it's, it's amazing. She, she said something like, dear Kellogg's. I think she added in Kellogg's or something and said, are you not going to – I'm still waiting for a reply to my email in which – I've asked you why that Rice Krispies have three white characters on the front and Cocoa Pops have, have, a- have a monkey. <laughs> and, and you know that thing, you know that the whole um, sort of ratio thing in, in tweets where people just go in there to see, it's like, I, I, I think it got like, I don't know, two or three re- retweets, like probably four likes and like, you know, 50,000 comments underneath. It was extraordinary.
0: That's brilliant. That I mean, that is – Andrew Doyle would be proud of that, wouldn't he? That's a Titania McGrath tweet,
2: isn't it, if ever, if ever I saw one? That's why I added her to the list, actually. It wasn't so much that she was – you right. know, you me when she was. It was it. that she suddenly popped up on my feed. And I was like, why is Fiona Onasanya here in my feed? And it was that absolute gold. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, actually this is interesting now because we're gonna we're gonna move off of MPs and so the point you just made, I, I got you to the point where you're going, no, they're all dangerous. So we're gonna go with some people who, who are not or are no longer um in in Parliament or 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 who never got there. So right, step okay. forward please, Eddie Izzard.
0: Oh, he's he's Jonah, isn't he? Everything, every campaign he's put his name on has is is just dropped off a cliff and and fallen on his ass. I yeah, he's 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 great. He's great for us. The more of him, the better.
1: Well, I think if Labour really want to win back those uh, voters from from the Red War, you know, the, the rich, Red uh, Wall class areas, you know, a man who wears a pink beret and heels, who is pro EU. Uh, who does his com- comedic routines in French? I think. I mean, it's really going to appeal to um, you know to their core values.
0: I mean, I so just to, to to give him his due, he's I mean he's outstandingly funny. I mean, I love Eddie Izzard's comedy. His old stuff,
2: certainly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think I think he's hilarious. I think he does some amazing work. He does some amazing work, but outside of politics. Um, I mean he did all those marathon runs, didn't he for charity and stuff and it, i i get I get the feeling that his heart's in the right place he means well he's very very funny he's certainly very very talented he's a great actor as well he's been in some serious shows True. very very good actor he's just politics are all wrong and he and he always just he just seems to pick the wrong horse every single time, whether it's the a v referendum or brexit or jeremy corbyn or whatever whatever it is when you know whoever whoever he just kind of sticks his his hat on or or puts his name behind fails
1: i kind of think of him as you know when we talk about the the, where for example the bbc have gone wrong i know that's a whole topic of of its own but you know for me this concept that you know used to have comedians and then they sort of became activists and the comedy is has, has has sort of taken you know a back seat a little bit so, you know, you think of, of Nish Kumar, for instance, he, he's perfect embodiment of that. Eddie Izzard, to me, was like a forerunner to, to that years ago. And I, I don't, in fairness, I don't know how much involvement he had on, on, on the BBC, maybe very little, but I just think of him as, as like the, the point at which those things started to, to go off in different directions. You know, you had people who could be very funny and then suddenly we know them for their political views. And the, the, the thing that they become – I mean, Frankie Boyle is, 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 a, is another example. Um, you know, so it's uh, – Yeah, I, he used to be funny as well. Long time ago, yeah. Right, Ash Sarkar. I,
0: I, think, I think she's good for our cause. I think she's good for the cause of freedom because she's – I mean, she, she obviously generates, you know, somewhat uh, some popularity with, with communism. Um so in a way she's dangerous. But I think I think more people think of her as being ridiculous. Um, so I would I would say yeah, it, i don't I don't think I don't think she's dangerous. I think she's so ridiculous that she's just she just I mean she tweets like a parody
1: account. I'm not sure. Dan, what do you think? Well I, I, I would agree. Luxury communism is ridiculous. So I think <laughs> um, I I I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think she's winning many people over. I think she's um, because of probably her age, the fact that she's probably quite media savvy. She she's done well at herding in all the people who would sympathise with her um, anyway. So I, I, I think she's probably. I don't.
2: I don't think
0: she's converting many people, no. Nick. I think that's that's, but, that's my point.
2: Right. Here's here's an observation I've had from this period of lockdown, though. Okay, and this is what this is why a game like this is quite good because you can actually spiral off into some other little areas. You talk about the BBC and the BBC love Ash Sarkar. I mean, she came from nowhere and then was on everything all of the time. Yeah, and and not and and not as she should be as as the token communist, and we should all point and laugh. You know, it, it, she's she's there to give serious political insight on 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 anything at any given time during this lockdown period. I've spoken to so many people who have almost retreated from any other media output but the BBC and I find that to be really massively worrying. I my understanding is that trust in the BBC is is higher even though trust in, you know, political journalists and journalism in general is kind of down. Everyone just kind of went, Do you know what? State broadcaster, let's get back in on the BBC. And I find that to be really problematic. I know that there are now some strong causes against, you know, defund the BBC and all all of that, and you know, long may they last. But while people like that are on the BBC, and while we're in a so-called crisis where they actually get to shape more, I have I have a problem with people like her on there.
0: I I mean I, I certainly have a problem with the BBC. I get the I get the feeling. That when people watch her on the BBC, she turns more people off than she turns on. Um, for want of a better <laughs> for want of a better phrase, um, I, I, I think I think she I think she's just so ridiculous sometimes um, that that she just I think most people will, will, will look at her and think, "Hang on, this is this is this is just barmy This is bonkers." Like you know, you, we talked about the fully automated luxury communism, and I'm literally a communist. I mean, people didn't come away from that thinking, "You know what? I'm a communist now." Yeah. um you know it kind of pushed them in in our direction i think
1: i think yeah i i get the i genuinely i mean maybe maybe there's a bit of hope and optimism with this but i, I genuinely think that people are coming round to the view that that there is life after the bbc i i i and and i think um and i hope I, beyond hope exactly hope beyond hope but I, but i think um that that's not necessarily because of their their straight-out news coverage and journalism, because I think, by and large, if you were to take um, coverage of of coronavirus, lockdown, and and, um, most recently the the, the riots, and you were to frame the BBC and then Sky, um, and then what else have you got, ITV, uh, leaving aside Channel 4, because I don't even take them (laughs) seriously, to be honest. But if you were to take those three entities side by side, certainly the BBC and Sky, I don't think there would be much in it but I think the the feelings around the BBC are and, and Rod Little talks about this very um very well you know it's it's every, it's in everything else so you know when you get um uh, what's her name? Emily Maitlis for example doing her her thing on on um newsnight and having these this big sequenced opening where she she's going off and talking through effectively what is her opinion I think suddenly people start to think. Well, hold on a minute. This is not the news. This is this is you ranting on. And of course, if you extend that out to programs like "Have I Got News for You" or Question Time, and then you take it through the the, the documentaries and the comedy and the drama, and you start to see that other things come into play other than the the actual core purpose of what that program is. I get the impression that people are starting to see through the the BBC. It doesn't help those other channels because, of course, a lot of what I'm describing is is a problem elsewhere. Um, But but I have some hope that the BBC's days might just be numbered in terms of the the licence fee and the fact that there is that state arm.
0: I have a a fear, though, that they're going to pay for it through general taxation instead of the licence fee very soon. And I, I I hope I'm wrong on that.
2: Do you do you mind me asking are you
1: a license fee payer I am a license fee payer yes um, and so am I and I am trying yeah, my
2: absolute hardest to get to the point where we're not yeah the only stuff that we that we watch now uh, it, it's the kids you, you have to hand it to them the the children's output is is really quite good. And a lot of it does get sold on ultimately to, to Prime and Netflix and things like that. Um, and my kids can watch a lot of stuff on there. And I've said, look, I'll buy the DVDs. I'll do anything. Just to <laughs> let me cancel the license fee.
1: Even on that, though, that's an interesting one because buy the DVDs. Right, right beside me now, I've got a, a bookshelf. You can't see it, but it's got um, it's got hundreds and hundreds of DVDs. To the point where I bought, um, I was toying with, with getting rid of them completely, but I bought the slimline cases so that I could I could store them away. Store more, <laughs> yeah, and, and they're kind of out of the way and, and and Blu-rays and whatever. And I I think when you see all these programs get cancelled, I mean, my I had this big thing with music as well. I've never subscribed to a a, a music streaming service, or so certainly not paid for it. Um, I do. You like ownership. I like ownership, and and um, you know, I, I
0: part of part this of that- is this is the libertarian. This is the libertarian. Dan, It's private property. This, yeah, is, this yeah. is this is good stuff.
1: Exactly, and but I think part of it was probably just a practical thing. Like I've got all this stuff. Why why am I going to get rid of it? I'll I'll just keep it. But boy, am I glad because and the I idea of being curated by people who have got a, a, a hidden agenda
0: yeah the last in the last few days you know we've had we've had you know faulty towers it's been you know been gun kind of taken wind. off the screens and yeah gun with the wind and little Britain and you know it's yeah it's getting crazy so i mean i watched i watched for your eyes only uh last night i've been watching so i've got I've got all the james Bond films on blu-ray that have ever been um got and i kind of watch them quite regularly I'm a bit of a bond fan and i've I've just started again recently so i kind of started off watching dr no and then uh, from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, and I got onto For Your Eyes Only, and I watched For Your Eyes Only last night, and it's a, it's not one of the best ones, uh, but it's 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 still very very good. It's very very funny, and in 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 that film, you've got Sean Connery. Dressing up as a, you know, to to make himself look Japanese, and he puts on like the eyes, and 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 they're kind of darkening his skin, putting putting this wig on. He look, I mean, he looks more like a Vulcan <laughs> than, than he does anything else. But he's, you know, they're putting like the f- false eyelids on and everything, and you think. That would never get made now, and and you know you're almost waiting for them to kind of pull that from the screens as well, you know, to say yeah Netflix has oh, wow. has got all the bonds bar that one. I mean, it, so there's I don't know if you can see behind me, but I've, I've got some I've got some books here, and there are some there are some Tintin books that my mum and dad bought me for my birthday, and it's the complete the complete works in quotes of Tintin, except Tintin in the Congo because that that one has like natives. With spears jumping up and down in it, and they don't like that anymore. Yeah, um, so I had to buy that one separately. So even books are getting, you know, getting getting cancelled now. Uh, it's 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 crazy. So yeah, I'm I'm very much. I was always for physical media because, I mean, I like, like you. I kind of grew up in the. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I'm, I'm not a millennial. I was born in the seventies. Um, but I, you know, I I kind of grew up with like with vinyl with LPs, and you kind of you know I'd save up my pocket money and I'd buy the latest Queen album. And you'd kind of get it, and you'd have like all the lyrics and stuff in there, and you know, it'd be something really big and physical. I even even when it turned to CDs. I mean, I only I only bought CDs when they stopped selling records at my local Andy's Records um, because I like the physical thing. But it, but I, I could I could just about you know kind of cope with CDs because you still get the booklets, and it's still something something nice like 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 buying a book. Um, but digital, digital media, I've never been able to, I've never been able to, I always want something physical. I can say, you know what? This is it. I own it. I don't mind having an iPod or an iPhone and ripping the stuff. And, you know, like all the CDs I get, I stick it on my Mac and, you know, I listen to them on my iPhone more than I'd listen to it on, you know, on, on like a stereo. I'm fine with that, but I, I always have to own the physical stuff. And now more than ever, it, it kind of feels like I'm vindicated because half of the stuff is just going to get canceled in the, you know, in the next couple of years. Yeah. That was a bit of a diversion, Nick, from Ash Sarkar.
2: I know. I love that. All that came from Ash Sarkar. Who would have thought it? Uh, a discussion on the private property of digital media. Um, right. There's a few more left. I, I don't even know actually how to pronounce her surname, so I'm just going to say Carol Coswallop. Cadwallader, I think, is it? Is,
1: is that how you – yeah, I've never known. Yeah, I've I've come up with so many different names for her on the list that I forget her actual name. Um <laughs>
2: Yes of uh, course we've not referred to the list
1: here because this well, is yeah, a different so would, way
2: of dealing with people the way we're talking about well, them yeah, now and you have obviously you've spent a lot of time you've had to spend a lot of time keeping your list up to date
0: Well yeah so we were should we should we, should we talk about I mean we were going to go into the list in in kind of effectively part 3 we uh, can we can be, move
2: on right now there's there's which no is one concerned beyond beyond this.
0: beyond beyond this game but should we should we talk a little bit about about your list Dan? because you you've kind of You've gained some notoriety, I think, in the last kind of few months and lockdown. Because so, for if if, if any, I, I very much doubt this. But if any of our listeners don't know, Dan is on Twitter as Sir Dan of C, and I'm not sure how often you produce this list. It's it's um, it's reasonably often. Is it once a week or uh, once it's a fortnight? It's
1: or? More than once a fortnight, as I'm running out of creative.
0: Uh- <laughs> right. So, to Dan, but Dan produces. you never list thought it of- would
2: go on this long, did you?
0: <laughs> Absolutely so. Know. Dan produces a list every, you know, when, when whenever he can manage it, um, of like kind of it, it, it's people. They're mainly, on, I think, they're mostly on Twitter. I think Rod, Rod Little isn't on, but most most people are on Twitter, and it's politicians and pundits. And it reads like a school report, uh, and it's all to do with the lockdown and you know the the, the kind of response to who's everything having a good then, war, or who's having a bad war. Yeah, and it's 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 hilarious. So you've got to you've got to read it because it, it 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 does properly read like a comical school report um but carol hasn't been hasn't been doing particularly well has she
1: no i'm not sure whether she ever has i i i, <laughs> funny enough, I i've got the i think was it andrew neal who said who described her as the mad cat lady yeah uh, didn't he delete that
2: tweet he deleted
1: it though yeah. yeah i think he deleted it yes but uh but yeah someone obviously snagged it um Yeah, she she's kind of. um, I mean, I I think anybody who works for you know who who does um, journalism for the Guardian and takes takes her view, but she's got this sort of. She she always seems like there's 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 like a conspiracy theory waiting to happen, just in the wings, you know, and and um, it doesn't matter how mad it is, and of course. I I always used to think well she was a little bit nasty because of all the um, the Brexit thing you know she was really getting stuck into um, uh, Darren Darren Grimes Dar- Dar- Grimes yeah. you know uh, and even after he was you know acquitted of, of of all that stuff you know she wouldn't let it go but I think you know in in recent times and in, in in you know probably this year this, the, the last few months she's just. She's just become more and more absurd, quite quite honestly. So, I mean, all you and 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 this this is probably the concept behind the list, which is that some of this stuff is so absurd that you can fall into the trap of actually, um, you know, trying to respond to, to tweets to individuals with a bit of constructive feedback, or you know that the you know you, you can try and take an argumentative approach to it, but sometimes it's that ridiculous that you think, okay. I'm going to be ridiculous. I'm going to turn this into such a ludicrous thing and at least make people laugh because, after all, uh, what else can you do at some of these people? So, uh,
0: I mean, we we often compare ourselves to – do you remember the film, Dan, Conspiracy Theory, years ago with with Mel Gibson? (laughs) And he's got this conspiracy theory magazine and he's got like a subscriber list that they're all going after and he's got like eight people or something. And and, and, and Julie Roberts
2: and, and Mel Gibson, yeah, it's it's, it's it's a great it's a great film. Oh, it's got about twenty TV. years old now.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, it's worth, it's worth a watch. But anyway, he's got this subscriber list, and it's like it's like half a dozen, maybe eight people. And we kind of compare ourselves to this, you know, to like the number of the number of listeners that we've got is my, you know, maybe this this, this this kind of tiny list. But she takes kind of conspiracy theories to the absolute next level, doesn't she? I mean, and it is almost again we keep describing things as such but it's almost beyond parody yeah you i would struggle to come up with a parody character on twitter that was any more ludicrous than some of than some of her tweets
2: but she's a great example of a i mean i i tweeted the other day that journalism is dead you know I mean, you look at the kind of political pundits and commentators and journalists of the major outlets whether they're newspapers or tv and they're not even doing the absolute basics like reading a document properly you know and she's a great example of one she'll tweet a picture of an invoice and say look aha the smoking gun and you know the 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 date was you know after the you know said thing had supposed to have happened or whatever and it's it she falls down on the absolute basics even though i imagine that she has a room that is covered in you know in either red lines or red wool, oh, know, bits of bits of string, and everything cuttings. And <laughs> she must have a lair like that.
1: don't you think? I, I thought. You yeah, I mean, the, she's the, the um, uh, that episode of Alan Partridge where he walks into the into the fan and at fan's house, and he's got been up all round the walls.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, she's so crazy. She reminds me a bit of. Um, she's always reminded me a bit of who, who's that? Who's Bart Simpson's teacher? This yeah, because she's just like this kind of crazy cat lady, and in, in fact, even even Homer Simpson gets and gets frustrated because he because he was pronouncing her name as Crandall
1: or something because nobody <laughs> can ever get her name right either.
0: It's just yeah, that's her. That's her through I, and through. I
1: think as much as uh, uh, as as it is her way of doing things and her personality and approach to things, it's the. Um, it's the particularly the blue tick kind of celebrities who endorse her views as well you know when you go onto a, a thread i mean let's say that she's just you know tweeted a picture of an invoice or or a comic book or, or whatever she's found uh, and of course she's got i mean i don't know how many followers she's got on twitter but it but it'll i mean it's probably you know in the hundreds of thousands i, I would imagine and so therefore you know after a few hours you've got probably thousands of comments and and the blue tick ones will go to the top and you You read some of these people and they say things like, oh, you know, can I just say from the bottom of my heart, Carol, thank you for all the work that you're doing. It's so important for somebody to be speaking the truth. And um, it's stunning and brave what you're doing. And please, please carry on. And you think, you know, and and this is very often this is 11 o'clock in the morning. So it's not as if they're pie-eyed, they've they've had a night. and think, well, okay, maybe they're they're taking the mickey. And I, I just find it extraordinary. yeah Yeah. look i i had a
2: few more names on my list i'm gonna i'm gonna give you one more but it's because i want to move on to away from the loony lefties and i want to talk a bit more actually about the centrists and maybe even the right of centrists and you know the people i had on at the end were uh people like tim montgomery and actually someone who cropped up in earlier conversation julia hartley left then tim montgomery well and see, and this is the point and obviously we we'll, we we'll, we always have we have our debates over um, over what what tendencies a person uh, might have and also you know we discussed earlier about how people need to maybe temper their their true feelings in order to maintain the platform that they have um, but i wonder how you feel about these kind of people where to to a certain degree they are they are helping to beat the worst of the ultimate bad guys, you know the real, utter lefties, yeah, you know, the, the Jeremy Corbyns, the Ash Sarkast, or whatever. But are they really helping any cause at all with their squishy centrism? Mm.
0: It's, I mean, yeah, who 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 knows? Who knows really? And and the di- the difficulty is that so many people, again, it's like it's like right wing people get tired with a right wing brush, whether they are. Far right and, and very authoritarian, or if they're libertarian like us, we're, we're all tired with with being right wingers yeah, for good or bad. Centrists are the same, and and we've, we've discussed this before. You've got the soft centrists who might think, you know, what the NHS is a good thing, uh, the government building roads is a good thing, laissez-faire cap- capitalism is a good thing. So not yeah, you know, very very light touch regulation. That's it. A- apart from that, everybody else can can kind of make their own decisions. These kind of centrists, they're fine. You've then got the hard centrists, like your Rory Stewarts, your Tim Montgomerys, who you know who are very very left wing and simultaneously very very right wing as well. So they like all these kind of government run institutions. And I, and I would put i would put Boris in this camp as well, in that they love the NHS, they love state run education, they love roads, and they, you know they'd probably be, be, be quite up with nationalising energy companies and, and the railways and this kind of thing. Um, and and then on the on the right, they they, they don't just want laissez-faire regulation, you know. They, they want kind of you know kind of authoritarian regulation as well. And and, and our not, listeners
2: have heard all this from you before, Andy. You know, it, this is Dan. I know, but this, this is podcast. this is why
0: it's difficult. You can't just say centrists. In that, who who do you mean?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, that the, the way I would look at it, and I, and again, you know, James Denningpole has, has described his frustration with this is that you've got the actual centrists those who would see themselves as centrists um and, and you can kind of forgive them because that's what they genu- well you might not forgive them but but you but that is at least that at least represents their, their true beliefs but then you have the people who would describe themselves as conservatives as right-wing but who are effectively centrists you know and they are not doing the cause you know much good because what's the point of them quite honestly and i, I you know i i kind of um I, I, I that, that kind of resonates with me. And I, I think, therefore, that people who and again, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, where you, it's almost like there's a sliding scale of of, of acceptable topics and, and acceptable things that you want to adhere to. And, and it's how far along that scale. And you, it, 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 for most people, you've got to have that anchor point to just prove to people that actually you're, you're quite reasonable.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, people like you know, like like James Dellingpole, probably like us. You know, we're seen as the extremists, as, as the radicals, and, and we're often used as well. We're not as bad as those guys. Yeah, you know, we're, we're we're reasonable. You know, we're reasonable people. We're still for this, 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 and this. We're not Nick Elliott
2: or you know, or James Dunningpole or whatever. Or I'd Kier. love to have. Let's just. I would <laughs> love to have that level of notoriety. <laughs>
0: If people if people knew if people knew who we
2: are, I think they would probably <laughs> use us. It's because nobody knows us.
0: That's that's the issue.
2: That's fine. Dan's going to tweet this podcast out. Everyone's going to know us. They should. It's
1: an awesome podcast. I keep saying. Mm.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Um,
0: so Nick, do you, are you, are you have you got to the end? That's have the end of my end list.
2: That's the end of my list. We. Cool. but I like that game because it does produce. Some other side topics that you you end up talking about, and that's what I think is good fun.
0: Okay, well we've we've gone we've gone for an hour and a half now, and and I kind of I kind of feel that we could talk forever. Should shall we shall we wrap it up and then we? Well, can, we can uh, always do this again. We can sometime. do it again. I think in fact I think we should do it again in purpose. Whether it's round your house, Dan, or round ours, or whatever, you're always welcome here. Um, you know, we should we should we should definitely do this. We've got the mobile recording equipment. We can do we can do it whatever wherever you like.
1: Um, and
0: yeah, we should we should set it up.
1: Absolutely, it's been great. As I say, I, you know, appreciate coming on, and uh, there's just so much to talk about.
2: There really is. Thank you so much, Dan, and uh, thank you too for listening uh, to Sounding Board. You can go to soundingboard.com and uh, to all your favourite podcast apps to subscribe and share and find. Them.